From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Democratic Governor Tony Evers says he'll introduce a coronavirus relief package for Wisconsin this week amid soaring numbers of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. He announced his intention after he delivered a statewide address urging Wisconsinites to wear masks, practice social distancing, and voluntarily shelter in place, but stopped short of issuing another emergency stay-at-home order. What do you think this relief package will look like? A good question because the legislature so far has not shown a big appetite for new restrictions on businesses. Um, Robin Voss, for example, the assembly speaker, uh, when we talked to him after the governor's speech, he made clear he was not interested in seeing any new restrictions on businesses. He wanted to, you know, uh, shoot for voluntary compliance on various things. So it could be fairly modest. Uh, It just depends on what Republicans will agree to in the legislature. They could reauthorize some things that were in the April package that they passed. They could maybe look at some things like that. We're still waiting to see if the feds uh, will pass a new package. And we don't have any more money from the federal government right now for Wisconsin to address tracing and testing. But if they came up with more money, that would be something else that would kind of influence the discussion in Wisconsin, and really right now, it's anybody's guess what's going to happen out in D.C. with how things have been going out there. So the legislature hasn't been willing to go into special session on any topic since March, but seeing as though coronavirus numbers are skyrocketing, do you think lawmakers will be willing to go in now? If you go into session, you also open up the possibility of doing other things, and I'm not sure if the Senate wants to get into the idea of meeting And then some members have, you know, for example, expressed frustration with the Health Services Secretary, Andrea Palm, would uh, somebody try to bring up her nomination and try and shoot it down. Um, There are several dozen bills from the that the Assembly approved back in uh, the before the pandemic hit that haven't been acted upon by the Senate. So would they take those up um, if they came in? I really don't know what the appetite is to come in versus waiting until after January when the new session begins. Also happening this week, the Wisconsin Supreme Court is hearing arguments today in a challenge to Governor Evers' statewide mask mandate. Evers issued an emergency order in July and then extended it in September. It requires people who are at least five years old to wear masks indoors and in enclosed spaces to help curb the spread of coronavirus. A conservative donor and business owner sued, and now it's before the conservative-leaning high court. What do you think will ultimately happen here? Well, I I hate predicting what courts are going to do, but we do know that the mask mandate expires on the 21st. So what I'm kind of wondering with the governor is, is this case really about whether he issues a new one or has that power to extend uh, another mask mandate? That's what really I'm watching for is what this is going forward, because remember, not only do you have the mask mandate being challenged, um, you had back in May the Supreme Court um, put the kibosh on the extended state home order. You have a appeals court up in uh, Wausau that put on hold the restrictions on public indoor gatherings. That's not in effect right now. And while you have the governor restricted, you look across the country and other governors are putting in new restrictions on businesses when they can operate, when bars can be open. So 
Governor Evers doesn't have those powers right now. And if the Supreme Court nixes the mask mandate, that's one less power he's going to have to do things. In another development, county clerks have until tomorrow to certify their election results. Then Republican President Trump's campaign has one full business day to formally ask for a recount in Wisconsin. Democratic President-elect Joe Biden won Wisconsin by about 20,000 votes, or just above a half a percentage point. Do you think the Trump campaign will end up asking for a recount as it has signaled? People I've talked to you have kind of wondered, they want to see first, how do these suits go in other places if there's the Trump campaign so far has not made any headway anywhere else. So it's questionable whether even challenging something in Wisconsin is going to get anywhere. Um, two, if they do ask for a recount, will it be for the entire state or would it be more likely to be something that only looks at Milwaukee County or some Democratic areas of the state? That's what I'm kind of watching for is, one, are there any successes for the Trump campaign between now and the deadline to ask for recount in other states. Two, if they do go forward with one here in Wisconsin, how extensive is it? They're going to look first at, um, you know, just doing a couple of counties or whatnot. So uh, it'll be interesting if they do for a full statewide recount because of the cost. Uh, remember four years ago, Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate, asked for and paid for a recount. They charged a $3.5 million up front. They ended up refunding $1.5 million, so it cost her $2 million. And that's before all the things that have changed since then with the um, everything with the pandemic. Uh, counties might have to look at, municipalities might have to look at renting larger spaces to do the recounts. So you have adequate social distancing while there are um, observers in the room. So there are all kinds of unknowns about the cost like that that we're waiting for a, an estimate from the Elections Commission sometime this week that, you know, it's not cheap to do. And if there's no, no possibility of any success that might be deterrent for the Trump campaign going forward. And finally, newly elected Republican State Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemayhew has removed Senator Alberta Darling as co-chair of the powerful Joint Finance Committee, a position she held for years. Lemayhew has replaced her with GOP Senator Howard Markline, who served on the committee since 2014. Were you surprised by this development, and what were Lemahue's reasons for removing Darling as co-chair? No, it really wasn't a surprise, largely because uh, going into the leadership election, um, it was believed that Mark Line and Lemahue were aligned. Uh, in the election for Senate Major Leader, it was Roger Roth who was running against Lemahue for that spot, and Mark Line was backing Lemahue, and so there's a feeling that he was likely to get the co-chair of finance. And in announcing it, I mean, uh, Lemahieu thanked Darling for her years of service and talked about Mark Line's background. He's, he's a certified public accountant. He's, um, you know, from a more rural area. It's a different perspective. So it's more like that. It wasn't anything that Darling had done wrong necessarily. It's more that both uh, Lemahieu and Mark Line reviews aligned and kind of a, on working together even before uh, this announcement was made. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.